Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of How to Scale a Business. I'm on with Nadine Terman, CEO and CIO of Solstein Capital. Thank you so much, Nadine, for being in the show. Appreciate Jane, it. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And we have an amazing woman entrepreneur. She is like a, the guest that we have on our show. And Nadine, um, you're running Solstein Capital for more than like a decade now. But can you share to us like how your career started? Sure. So I started at Goldman Sachs back in the mid-90s. And uh, when there weren't a lot of women on the trading floor, so I was in sales and trading. And back then, women couldn't wear pants in 1994 at Goldman Sachs. So that tells you how old I am. <laughs> um, but then I moved from called the public markets to uh, doing private equity and then spent, you know, call it eight and a half years doing private equity and public market investing before a few of us launched our own firm back in 2010. Mm, I see, I see. And can you tell us a little bit about how your company tech, like what's the main focus you have in terms of like helping you or your customers? Or what are the values sure. that you've established sure. so far? Sure, well, we have clients, about half of our business, uh, we have institutional clients that um, work with us to build long-only international portfolios. So we're investing in developed markets and emerging markets around the world uh, for pensions and other institutions. And then the other half of what we do is we manage capital for family offices and foundations and high net worth individuals. And those tend to be a little bit more flexible in nature and risk managed so we can use shorts and options and hold cash and go cross assets. So that tends to be a little bit more tactical and flexible versus investing versus the benchmark, which is what we're doing on the long only side. Mm -hmm. And um, most of the work that you're doing are more like statistic or data driven. So I, I believe you have this mind for like for numbers. So how do you keep up with this, with, with these numbers that you're dealing with? like all the details that you're dealing with in a day? Uh, well, I think that you have to be the kind of person who processes a lot of information and then is able to figure out what actually matters. And that just is from experience. Mm. So it does help to have a mathematical mind. And, you know, we have different tools that we use here and that we've built out at Solstein. But also you have to be able to figure out, well, what actually matters and then focus your time and your team's time there versus, you know, one of the issues is just, you know, there's so much noise on the internet in terms of investing that I can imagine that if you don't do this for a living, it's really hard to figure out who to listen to, what data matters, you know, are you mm -hmm. even accessing the right data? So that's why we launched a separate company called Longbow that we're a part of um, that provides institutional level data for the everyday investor. They can get the same, they get our algorithms in a separate company mm -hmm. and they can figure out, okay, if they're interested in Microsoft or Apple or some other security, you know, is it trading? Should they, is it a buy? Is it a hold? Is it a sell? How has it been trading? And then we've been producing content around that to hopefully educate people that mm -hmm. don't do this day to day to figure out, okay, um, how, how do I execute what I'm doing better? That's really mm -hmm. the, the, the brunt of it is that, you know, a lot of people tell you what to do, or there's a lot of talking heads, but are they really explaining things? And is it a data-driven process so that they can mm. make the right decisions based on data and not just emotions? <laughs> I, I totally agree with that one. Especially we get easily like lured with this like shiny stuff. 
yeah. it's all over in the internet as well. And marketing is doing it like it makes things shinier just to catch your attention. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It's like I, I laugh because there's so many people doing interviews, and you know, on one day is like, is the world ending? Is you know, oil gonna kill you know the economy? And you know, then the next day is oh. You should be going long. You know the the bear market's over. I mean, just the headlines are meant to just excite you, make you fearful, so that you click on it. It's that clickbait. But at the mm -hmm. end of a forty minute interview, did you really learn something, or were you just the target of the clickbait? Definitely, definitely, I agree with that. And what do you think? Like the biggest? I know your the company that you have is, I believe, it's over twelve years now. Yes. And a lot, every company have like a lot of challenges that they've been through to just even just to make their company like stay afloat. But with your company, what's like the biggest challenge that you've faced so far and how did you overcome that? Sure. You know, I think uh, there's just obviously so many when you when you're an entrepreneur and you're growing and part of it is getting the right team. Um, and then also, I think it's being flexible is that you know people get so set on delivering some type of solution whether you're making a product or you have a solution in your company but it you have to listen to your your client base and if they keep asking for something and it's something you can do and you can do well maybe you should be doing that so you don't want clients to be you know flipping you all over the place and you know you don't need to offer 5000 different solutions or products but when you see a pattern that you're solving a problem for them that you didn't realize that you were solving, maybe you should take some time and solve that. Because um, that's really when we, when we did that, you know, call it halfway through our history, um, it created a whole new business line for us just by listening to the clients. Mm, I agree with that. And especially a lot of clients out there who wanted having some agency or out, uh, help from like, outside companies, but they wanted to do still do things in their way in their way yeah the, yeah they're the kind of clients but um another thing how do you stay like top of mind i again as you said earlier there are a lot of noises in the internet right now especially with social media so how do you get uh stay on top of mind um like bit loyalty from your customer or having these companies come back with, with the service that you provide well i think that you have to deliver good risk adjusted returns and then communicate what you're doing. So um, in the investing business, you have to understand what their objectives are, and then hopefully be you know, focusing on those objectives so you meet or exceed those objectives. But recognize that not everybody has the same objectives. So when you're always talking to someone, you know, a client might change. Maybe they you know, sold a building, or maybe they um, had something happen in their lives where they have you know, a lower risk profile or a greater risk profile. And so just making sure in your communication so that your team can be focused on, as I said, either meeting or exceeding those objectives, I think is really important. And then staying top of mind with new people. Um, you know, it's something that was a lesson learned that we had. We were so quiet. We were never out there. And you can be the best kept secret. And it's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. So I think you really want to um, get out there, even if it's, you know, I'm an introvert, even if it's uncomfortable, and let people know who you are. So whether it's going on TV or radio, or, you know, creating content and putting it like you are in June, you know, ha having a podcast, right. getting it out to the world is really important, because then those people who are interested in what you're doing will gravitate to you and reach out, and they might not have met you otherwise. I totally agree with that. And 
the the challenge in the marketing is that there are a lot of channels out there. So um, how about this? How how do you because we, we are a, a marketing company. So yeah. how do you like determine? Um, how do you navigate through this um, constantly changing landscape of marketing and leverage it to to be uh, effective in marketing? Well, I don't think that the people who want to work with us are in certain places. You don't need to waste your time there. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think you're going to Instagram to see your financial advisor, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, and I'm not on Facebook. So there's certain places I don't think we need to be. And then there's other places I think we do need to be. So I have a very large network on LinkedIn who's very professional. Um, a lot of my contacts in the investment world are there. And so when we create content, we'll also post it on a place that maybe folks necessarily hadn't been putting video, like on LinkedIn, which more and more now you see more video. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the investment world, that's been a more recent phenomenon versus you know FinTwit. You know, obviously, a lot of people posting content on there kind of a different crowd, but you should be on both of those, but you don't need to be on so many other ones. So just focus your time, focus your energy on the places that matter. And I agree with you with that. Like there are a lot of channels, but determine which areas that really works for you. And then you double down in there. And how about, aside from the marketing that you um, use, can you share any specific tactics or tools that have been particularly effective in growing your business, this investment firm that you have? Interesting, because it's a very word of mouth, I think, that people find Mm. us. So it hasn't been always one thing. But because we're different, I think pointing out where you're different. So a lot of folks in the investment world um, don't do tactical, don't do bespoke portfolio. So we're differentiated in that way. So when you're creating content or communicating what you do, I think making sure that those attributes that define you that are different from everybody else come through. That's really important. Because then that word of mouth, people will say, well, is it like, even if somebody isn't your client, someone else might ask them, well, do you know anybody who, you know, solves this problem? And then they'll say, oh, yeah, Nadine over at Solstein, she solves that problem, right? So I think letting people know where you shine and how you're differentiated is very important. And that's where I, you know, the word of mouth will be very powerful because eventually then, um, even again, as if someone isn't your client, they'll know to be able to point someone in your direction. 100%. So even without this traditional marketing, as long as you do this excellent job, word of mouth, referrals, you can still like grow your business. And can you speak any metrics or KPIs you use to measure like the success uh, of your business? You know, we're not really built in that way. You know, it's very much about risk adjusted returns, meeting or exceeding benchmarks. So that internally is the most important thing. And then from a marketing perspective, which I think that you're interested in most, it, you know, we haven't really been measuring it as much um, because we're trying out new things. And I think when you're trying out new things, you um, sometimes it takes a little while to gain traction with what you're doing. So you need to wait a few months um, to figure out, okay, um, what is it we're seeing? Like we started creating um, kind of humorous inf- uh, investment news content in the morning that has funny mm. pictures. And I, a lot of people in Silicon Valley read it, even though they have nothing to do with investing. They just find that it's a really helpful source for them to feel like they're keeping on top of the investment world. Um, so again, you know, maybe day one, that's not who we were targeting, but that's really who's coming to read our daily news. 
Um, and then, you know, the, the, some of those people eventually uh, can become clients. So that's, you know, you're doing one thing, but it benefits you in another way. So you just have to kind of be watching, well, okay, you know, maybe you were looking in metrics in, in one sector or in one direction, but actually what you're doing is creating opportunities somewhere else. Um, mm. So again, you know, we're kind of looking at that for what we're doing. And then the same thing with content is, you know, we've gotten really great feedback in some of the video content we've produced about, you know, call it day-to-day investing, very tactical investing, and something we did just last week. And so instead of just talking more broadly, we focused on individual securities. And so then obviously employees of certain firms, if you're talking about their company stock, get really interested. Maybe they have restricted stock units or other things. So that wasn't really going to target them. You know, it's not like um, we were looking for a certain amount of views, but if you start getting interest from people um, because of what you're doing, um, you should think, I think, more broadly and just thinking that success is measured by one statistic, um, mm-hmm. but to see what impact is something having. And then, okay, is that impact worth your time and efforts for the for the initiatives that you're doing? That's really how I think about uh, when you're getting out there with content, at least. Because mm. it's not broad. Oh. Like, for me, I'm not, success isn't reaching the most amount of people. It's reaching the right people who then follow up who then reach out and say, I'm following you. This is interesting. Can we talk? That's really, I think, where success is versus, um, you know, counting how many LinkedIn followers you have. I think that that's uh, less important to us than for what we do. Um, Does it have an impact? Let's say you have like a lot of audience that you are, a lot of people that you're reaching out to, but you cannot like uh, keep up on doing a follow-up, like monitoring the relationship with each one. So it becomes ineffective. Um, how about like staying, um, staying up to date, like with the trends and, and development in, in your industry? How do well, you we we work that? with Bloomberg, so they're one of the big data sources for our industry. Mm. So we have an institutional relationship with them that enables us to use the data and then process the data and then show the data to our subscribers. And so when you're working with such a well-funded large organization, you know they came out with I think you know, Bloomberg GBT. And so, you know, that's something that we can leverage. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, by partnering with folks who are leading, even if it, it maybe is a little bit more costly, it enables you, I think, to leapfrog in your solutions for what you're doing versus having to try to build everything on a, on a shoestring budget. I see. Yeah, I see. Like also it, it relates to like chat GPT, but um, with with investment firm uh, like this that you have, I am just curious. This is a, like a general question, but what's like the core principle that you have or like core tenant that you have in 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 becoming like the foundation for this um, firm that you have? I think it's being tactical. There's too many people who kind of grow up with one style of investing. So they are always growth investors or value investors or macro investors. Um, and I think the game has, is continue, always changing, just like if you're in technology or healthcare or any different sector. And so if you're tactical and your firm is tactical, so like you know what you're good at, but then you can apply it tactically to um, investment opportunities, that's what lets you survive in this industry. So a lot of people don't survive very long in this industry. I've been doing it for over, you know, almost 30 years here. And in order to do that, I think that you have to be always learning and being flexible and then tactical with what you're doing. 
Otherwise, you know, everyone will learn what you're doing and then you won't make money on it anymore. <laughs> so you have to be able to kind of always be better, always be pushing yourself and your team and coming up with new ways to enhance what you've already been doing such that you'll continue to deliver those solid risk adjusted returns. Be, being tactical. But, being um, tactical. Is, is there uh, like another thing that you can add to that, especially like giving an advice to, to our small and medium-sized businesses, especially in the same um, industry where you are right now? And you said um, a lot of the same uh, firms that is in your industry not like surviving that long or That's right. making their business afloat for that long. But is there like more advice that you can provide for them to sustain aside from the, the strategy? I think focusing on um, what you're good at and then don't, don't waste your money and time in areas that are going to take a long time for success. Hmm. You know, there's consulting firms and other groups that you can begin to work with, but you have to show five plus years of a track record. And it takes a long time and a lot of money to be able to go to conferences. You know, they're about $10,000 plus each. And so you can mm. spend a lot of money and spend a lot of time trying to go around and market, um, but with very, very little results, especially for smaller firms. So I think doing some planning ahead of time where you figure out, okay, realistically, where are my first clients coming from? And if you can't excite them day one, how long is it going to take you to excite the people you thought would be your best clients. If it's going to take a long time, imagine if someone doesn't know you, that's going to take triple the time. Mm. And therefore I think there's, you know, a lot of unrealistic expectations when people start in the investment industry, they're just going to, you know, plant their flag and grow and it's going to be very lucrative. Um, but I think it's much more of a marathon and you have to be much more thoughtful. And as, as I said, tactical, um, but doing a lot of planning ahead of time so that you can grow so that you can, have like a strong client base that people do find you. I mean, that takes a long time, So, you, but you have to be able to survive to reap the benefits of that. So if you don't know how you're gonna exist in the first few years, maybe this isn't what you should be doing and that's okay. It's okay because like life is short. Probably. Life is short, <laughs> yeah. Like don't go hitting your head against the wall if it's not gonna work out. So unless you have a lot of money, a lot of contacts and you know that you can get it done, it just might not be the right path, and that's okay. Okay, and the the, the simplicity of um, the the answer that you provided it, it's pretty amazing. The, what you provided to us um, today it's uh, super insightful uh, for us. So, uh, if anybody wants to connect with you or anyone thinking about working with you or uh, partnering with you, what's the best way to to do that or to reach out to you? Sure. You can find it at solsteincapital.com. That's S-O-L-S-T-E-I-N capital.com. And also I'm on Twitter, Nadine Terman. So you can reach out to me via Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, I'm active on all those platforms. Amazing. And um, Nadine, I really appreciate your time attending to our podcast. The information that you provided to us, we can consider it as a liquid gold from someone <laughs> like you who is very uh, experienced in the space. Is there anything else that you want to promote or wanted to add to that? No, June, thank you so much for having me today. And I appreciate you uh, taking the time to ask questions about Solstein and our team. Okay, it's lovely having you in our podcast. You're amazing, Nadine. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.